Grace, mercy, and peace to you from the Holy Trinity. Amen. You know, I can't help feel a little sorry for Peter in the gospel reading we just heard. He gets rebuked by Jesus, which is something that I don't think I'd really wish on anyone at all. But I totally understand why. And see, that's why I feel bad about it. Because Peter had already done quite a bit for Jesus since the beginning of, the, of Mark. He'd given up his fishing business with his brother Andrew. He'd trudged dozens of miles through some pretty tough neighborhoods, zigzagging back and forth across the desert. He probably had some major blisters, and he had dealt with crowds upon crowds upon crowds who just wanted a little bit of his rabbi's time or his healing fingers. Being a disciple of Jesus was not particularly the most lucrative of careers Peter could have followed, but for some reason that perhaps he couldn't even explain, he gave up his nets and followed. And at this point in the story, he's pretty invested. Not to mention how there are now big groups of following, people following Jesus. I think maybe Peter might think he's going to become famous by association. He's got a lot at stake when he makes his pronouncement that Jesus is the Messiah. I mean, the last several months of his life are on the line with this guy, Jesus, and he finally feels like he's got enough knowledge about him to make this huge confession of faith. Only the thing is, Peter doesn't really quite get it. He thinks that the Messiah will come and save him and all the Jews from the oppressive government, and yet here's Jesus talking about suffering and death and rising again. None of these things are what a good Messiah was supposed to do. And so Peter sort of regrets his decision and decides to tell Jesus he's wrong to rebuke him, that messiahs are supposed to do something completely different, that salvation was supposed to look like political freedom, not some sort of gruesome death, followed by a resurrection. And on top of that, Jesus has the audacity to tell Peter and all of the crowd that they must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow him. And then he goes on talking about losing your life and saving it through Christ for the sake of the gospel. All the things that any self-respecting person would probably run away at. It, I, it's easy to run at this idea. I mean, denying yourself isn't particularly fulfilling. And taking up crosses is a pretty dirty business. They're not really the most glamorous things in the universe. And they're heavy. Heavy with the weight of shame and of sin and guilt. And so taking up crosses is not something we all particularly want to rush out and do, and neither is denying ourselves. Personally, I'd rather if Jesus had said something like, take a trip to Lush and find a bath bomb to carry and follow me. Because, <laughs> you know, it smells way better than a cross. And, you know, they make a whole lot of different kinds, so I could just choose the one that fits my mood the best and feel fulfilled. It's easy to run at Christ's command because it's much more comfortable to keep our mind on human things instead of on divine things. And so it becomes tempting for us to rebuke Jesus and tell him that this cross-carrying business is not the business I want to be in. And you know, self-denial might have been really great 2,000 years ago, but it just doesn't really fly in the midst of today's eye culture. And I'm perfectly content with my own self, and I'd rather not have to deny any part of who I am. I'd rather have all the glory without any of the suffering. It's a call that's so tempting and is so prevalent in our world. You'd think from hearing things that the following the path of Jesus meant getting free cars at church on Easter or promises of health if you just believed enough 
or that Christ was some divine life coach like Oprah, ready to just fix every wrong at the drop of a hat. And that's what happens when we take all like the bad parts of our culture, that individualism, the need for more and better stuff, that dog-eat-dogness, and mix it with religious language, and then package it and call it God. It's tempting to keep going along, feeling like Peter, thinking that the Messiah will come and do everything we want him to do, all in a big blaze of glory, while we get to keep wandering down our own self-saving paths. But we get a really great insight that Peter doesn't get. Because we live in a world that is after the resurrection. A world that Peter couldn't even fathom when he proclaimed Christ the Messiah. And so we've heard about how different this Savior is. And how he does just about the opposite of everything we expect. Denying ourselves then becomes truth in the face of self-importance. Denying ourselves means taking a look at those parts of us that we want so desperately to be the thing that keeps us on the right path. It means recognizing that the things that we do and the things that we say that make us more righteous and more pious than our neighbors aren't the thing that's going to save us. It means that our identity as child of God becomes way more important than the identities that we give ourselves. Our identity of child of God points to the good news and the promises of grace we receive from Christ. It points to our redemption and renewal from those places that we've kept labeled and broken for so long. And it doesn't even end there. It doesn't end there because that glory doesn't get us far at all. Because that's not how God operates. As much as we might want an invincible superhero God who protects us from our own vulnerability, we just don't have one of those. Instead, we have a God that calls us to take up our cross and follow. We have a God that knows fully the pain and suffering of the cross. And because God knew that pain and suffering and humiliation of hanging on a tree 2,000 years ago, God certainly knows that our lives are not glory-filled. God certainly knows that we have our own crosses to bear. God is the one who hears the cry of the outcast, of the oppressed, of the downtrodden, and comes to be in their midst. We have a God who poured himself out on the cross to stand with us when we are hanging on our own personal crosses. We have a God that is not too good to sit in the depths of addiction with us. We have a God that is not too self-absorbed to stand with us in the recesses of depression and self-hatred. We have a God that is able to say, I am here in the tombs of failure and sin because God was once in a tomb. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me is no longer a death sentence. It instead becomes a promise of life from God. It's the promise of a life because in denying ourselves, we find out who we really are, children of God. It's the promise of life because in taking up our cross, we find God there, carrying it with us because God is in the business of carrying crosses. It's the promise of life because following Christ means that while carrying our cross ultimately leads to death, we've seen what happens through the power of the cross. It's where God always promises to show up and lead us toward resurrection and everlasting life. I know that the call of Christ costs something. Identity, glory, power, self-actualization. But it leads us to something even more. Pure and free grace. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says of this cost of denying self, taking up the cross and following Jesus, that such grace is costly because it calls us to follow. And such grace 
And it's grace because it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. It's costly because it cost a man his life. And it's grace because it gives a person the only true life. Grace is costly because it compels a person to submit to the yoke of Christ and follow him. But it's grace because Jesus says, My yoke is easy and my burden is light. In losing ourself, in losing our life, in picking up the cross and recognizing that Christ is there with us and following in his path, we gain the grace-filled life of unity with Christ and the promise of redemption. In picking up the cross, we see that thanks to God's promise to carry that cross with us, that the burden is light. In following the path of Christ, we're able to see that it ends with the promise of everlasting life and eternal grace. Amen.